Salturot. You're very welcome to Glower, our podcast here at RC Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre on the Falls Road in Belfast. Each series of this podcast focuses on a quote from the writings of James Connolly, and we all ask our guests to reflect on that quote as we explore what it is that they do and what motivates them in their walks of life. So, join us as we explore the writings of James Connolly and the relevance they have to us today. Very welcome back to this episode of the new series of our podcast, Glower, here at RSE Economy on the Falls Road in Belfast. Um, I'm really pleased to welcome today's guest, Ellen Fern, who is currently um, the outgoing president of NUSESI, um, and he's going to tell us today about what it is that she gets up to and what brought her um, into that world of student activism um, in, in this day and age. Uh, the quote for the series uh, is one written by James Connolly in 1915 um, when he wrote The Reconquest of Ireland and the quote is as follows. None so fitted to break the chains as they who wear them, none so well equipped to decide what is a fetter. In its march towards freedom the working class of Ireland must cheer on the efforts of those women who, feeling on their souls and bodies the fetters of the ages, have arisen to strike them off. So it's in that vein that we'll be um, having this chat today. And um, so Ellen to Fulcher Road, you're very welcome here to RSC Canada today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so Ellen, tell us a little bit about what you do um, as president of NUSUSI. Tell us about what NUSUSI is and how have your last two years um, in the term be a bit of a mad few years? Yes, no, definitely has. Um, so I suppose I, I would describe myself probably as an activist first activist first and foremost. Um, and I think that is what being president of NUSESI has been essentially, um, just being a leading activist for students, I suppose. Um, so NUSESI is the National Union of Students here. We represent over or around 200,000 students across higher and further education. And um, the vast majority of those coming from further education. Um, and basically we're a collection of students unions across the north um, that fight for students, campaign for students. Um, we work with the universities and colleges um, to sort of do better by students. Um, and my role really focuses on government, lobbying government and trying to get more financial support, more mental health support and all of those good things for students. Um, and yes, as you said, the last two years in particular have been a really mental time for students. Um, so my term in particular has been really hectic um, but it's also just been an incredibly rewarding time to be involved because um, we've definitely seen a shift in the way that activism is carried out. We've seen a complete transformation to digital act activism um, and trying our best to have an impact online when we couldn't be lying in the streets as students are sort of known for. Um, so yeah I, I suppose there's definitely been a range of issues affecting students over the last two years. Um, if you sort of cast your mind back to like September 2020 students were being locked into their accommodation across the water and um, they weren't getting access to food because COVID outbreaks were so bad across university campuses and um, that was at the beginning of my term and ever since then it, it's just Nothing like a baptism of power no, <laughs> definitely not um, it's it's just been a, a lot of issues coming up and um, we've had different sort of issues with A-level results and students um, sort of like a postcode lottery where students from working class areas were getting worse results than students who maybe weren't from those areas and not getting into university um, we've had sort of mental health levels for students really skyrocket during the pandemic um, and I suppose in reaction to a lot of those issues um, we've been campaigning on a campaign called Students Deserve Better which is basically just a collection of amazing activists coming together like lobbying government like campaigning 
basically just doing what we can to raise our voices, make sure that we're heard in the halls of Stormont. Um, and we have had some really good wins for students over the last two years. So, um, yeah, we're still fighting, but we're definitely getting there, I think. Class. Um, and you, so you've been there for two years. It really has been turning time. And I think actually some one of the kind of positives that has come out of, of COVID is that people have some, sometimes found their voice that maybe in other circumstances um, they wouldn't have. Um, so I, I think that that's clearly been reflected in what you do um, and, and I'm sure students across uh, the country have been very grateful for that. Um, in terms of how you got to there, what, what did you do before you were in, in USUSI? Um, you were a student rep uh, even before you took on uh, the role of president, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I initially, before NUSUSI, I ran for election in Queen's Students' Union. So I was their activities officer for a year, um, which was an amazing year. And that's sort of the year um, 2019 to 20. So COVID sort of started during that term. Um, but yeah, for me, that was really about finding different ways to engage students in activities. Um, I actually, we tried to, COVID sort of ruined it, but we tried to run a programme about explaining what trade unions were to students and students unions so that they sort of, I suppose, knew a bit more about the collective power that they had, because it's not stuff you really get taught. Um, and my year really was all about climate activism that year. We sort of did the QB Green New Deal. Um, we got a collection of around 80 staff and students together across the university to sort of fight together for better climate activism from the university, um, which was really cool. And that's sort of the model that I've used forming different activist groups in NUSUSI as well. So yeah, I think you definitely learn different things from different roles and carry it with you. Um, but yeah, the people that have sort of taken over that are also incredible. So it's been so inspiring to see that continue and to see that activism still transform the university. Um, so yeah, it's been very cool class and in terms of, of um, climate action and stuff it, it's something that has really come more and more to the fore um, I mean we, we all saw for example and I hate harping on about COVID but it, it has highlighted a lot I think in society um, in terms of the pandemic we saw the impact that us stopping for you know to draw in the grand scheme of things a breath um, and the impact that ha that had on the world what um, sort of drew you into climate activism or what sparked that interest initially was it something that happened when you were at queens was it something that you had always had an interest in or do you remember what kind of sparked that interest um that's a good question i i think there's probably a few things i think um what i suppose when i started university um it was becoming such a big thing that was sort of like 2016 and a lot of the like school strikes were starting um, and it was really becoming a big global movement at that point in time um, whenever I started university, there was an amazing climate campaign happening in the students' union called Fossil Free QB, which was actually led by my brother. Um, so I think, honestly, it's probably my brother who has really inspired that sort of climate activism within me. Um, he, yeah, he's like not to call about him, but he's like <laughs> incredibly intelligent, and yeah, like him, I have incredible siblings who have really shaped a lot of my activism. Um, so I think that sort of background and being raised in, in that family with climate activism at the core of, of sort of values um, and then it becoming such a big global movement at the time and um, those sort of things tied in. There hadn't been a lot of climate activism on campus for about maybe like four years in that stage. Um, so I definitely think there was a gap and I think students were hungry to take action and hungry to get involved. Um, and we definitely seen that by the sort of amount of people that wanted to get involved and make change um, and come up with like really unique original ideas on how to make change on their campus, um, which is always really incredible to see. 
Yes, and just to, to reiterate your point, I went to university with Sean and he absolutely is. He's a powerhouse. Um, and I know in his own time in Queens, um, he had a huge impact. And, and I know people, I remember people who really wouldn't have any interest in student politics going, God, that's amazing the difference that when there are people like him, like yourself there, who really kind of grab things and run with it, um, you, you start to see the difference. And I think, as you mentioned, though, that sort of legacy of things continues massive yeah. because. It's grand starting something, but actually the challenge is often continuing it on. Definitely, you know? yeah. Um, and, and so on that, you're originally from um a rural area. Um, you're not from Belfast. You're from South Armagh. Um, do you think growing up in a rural area, do you think? I suppose your your surroundings. Um, like I'm from Belfast, but we spend a lot of time um in in less urban places. Um, and I know it sort of maybe sparks maybe more of an appreciation I probably didn't get that till I was a lot older <laughs> but you know do you think that that upbringing and, and kind of been surrounded by that as you grew up do you think that makes you appreciate that a little bit more now or how do you think that has impacted on you yeah no that's really interesting um to be honest I don't think I appreciated it when I was growing up but I think Covid has made me really appreciate it um you know when you're younger you're sort of like oh I want to get out like I wanted to move to Belfast and yeah. like, stuff like that but <laughs> Covid has made me like I love South Armagh, I really, really do. Um, and I think yeah, pe- people there are so I suppose like generous with the land and nature and so protective of it because we are like it is such an outstanding area of beauty, um, natural beauty. Um, so yeah, I, I think that has definitely helped. Um, I think South Armagh in general, like the sense of community spirit there is absolutely unparalleled and what I love about Ireland is that I think um, any part of Ireland would say that about I was going to say myself I definitely disagree with you but no that um, it absolutely is community is the heart of all that it's those places like that are yeah definitely and I think like I like it do you know like it's not a wealthy place at all but it's not about giving your money away or resources away it's about like just the community spirit there of giving your t- like time is so generous like do you know like giving time to your local sports club given time to your local community center and um, given time to development opportunities for young people like I've never seen that anywhere quite like home and I think it's incredible and I think when you're raised in that environment you don't realize how much it impacts you, take you it for granted, until you? you leave yeah but yeah it's a really exceptional place and I think um maybe like a climate activism I think activism can be quite city centric here I think Belfast and Derry are real hubs for it and I'd love to see more of that in the likes of South Armagh but I think people just taking care of the land and, and the sort of like natural beauty spots every day um, is really inspiring. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and obviously um, I'm speaking to you as a young woman who is in the public eye, who is representing hundreds of thousands of students across the place. Um, and, and in terms of, of the quotas that we're looking at today, and, and it'll lead me into to my next question. Um, how is your experience as a young woman in that role been do you think um i'm sure there have been challenges um how have you found that kind of because it can't have always been smooth sailing and you know pandemic aside it, it can't have always been easy no it, it definitely hasn't i think i think there's a bit of a, a mixed bag with it which i'll explain but yeah to, to talk maybe about the negatives first i think um i definitely receive like a lot more well, in my opinion, like online abuse and stuff like that, than the likes of like my male predecessors might have uh, faced whenever I was elected. Um, I I received quite a lot of backlash for that. Um, again, like my male predecessors have never really experienced that. Um, and I think that, 
yeah, there, it's just, I, I suppose, just facing everyday sexism, being talked over in meetings, having people steal your sort of ideas and stuff like that. Um, to me, I suppose that stuff like that doesn't really matter. It's just when it impa- impacts the sort of outcomes of a campaign um, when people don't back you because you're a woman um, is what frustrates me, really. Um, I know this is a podcast, so for anyone who can't see me, um, I'm also like five foot. I'm really short. <laughs> so I could give like a really powerful speech and people would come up to me and be like, that was so cute. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's what it's that's sort of what you're facing, um, which is funny in, in a way, but it also can't take away from what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think the online stuff, um, even I do a lot of media work and will often get comments about the way that I look in the media, the way that I sound in the media, um, comments not not talking about what the points I'm actually trying to get across and that's really frustrating but um, I think on the flip side of that I work in the student movement which is one of the most progressive places that you can possibly work and um, we would always say that the student movement is like 20 years ahead of society and that the issues that we're fighting for now society will be fighting for or looking at implementing in 20 years time and that's always been the curve like we're, we're sort of always ahead of the curve in the student movement um, and the student movement at the minute is carried by incredible women leaders and activists, um, which is incredible to see. Um, so I think there's negatives to it, but when you're in an environment like that that's so supportive and you're surrounded by incredible women, um, it's really uplifting. So it's, it has its benefits too, I suppose. Yeah, having the team around you definitely, definitely makes a difference. Um, well, I suppose that, that leads us on to, um, I suppose, the focus of, of, of these podcasts. We, we look at a different quote, as I said, James Connolly's. Um, each series and Connolly himself was ahead of the game in terms of his views on women at the time he certainly wouldn't have been the norm in terms of his opinion um I would argue uh but when he wrote the quote in the reconquest of Ireland um that I'll read out now um I've spoken to different people kind of just chatting and it's sparking a different trains of thoughts um for them so the quote as I said it was written in 1915 uh was None so fitted to break the chains as they who wear them, none so well equipped to decide what is a fetter. In its march towards freedom, the working class of Ireland must cheer on the efforts of those women who, feeling on their souls and bodies the fetters of the ages, have arisen to strike them off. When you hear that, I mean, that quote's over 100 years old. What is it sort of, what does what it spark in your mind or does it, does it, inspire you or does it make you kind of frustrated because it's probably still nearly relevant or, or do you think it's not relevant what are your kind of thoughts on that um as a, as a piece um i think it's really inspiring I, I think it's a great quote um to be honest it's a quote i didn't know before um we had sort of set up this chat so it's actually been a really nice experience to reflect on it and think about what it means to me um it definitely is still relevant which is obviously frustrating but um, I think I think it's important to recognise that Connolly was talking about that more than 100 years ago and, it, and it's still relevant. Um, but for me, I suppose that quote sort of means that, in my interpretation, that women should lead women, like women's movements, workers should lead workers' movements and often, I suppose, relying on societal change um, at that sort of parliamentary level, just relying on that can be slightly disempowering at times um, and it's important to sort of lead your own causes and be able to do that, to be liberated enough to be able to do that um, and for me this quote really means as well that our struggles are really interconnected, like whether it's workers, women, students, all of those issues overlap and if we're not working together and fighting for that sort of shared cause um, then we're just not going to see the justice that, that we need to see. Um, 
for me, I suppose the biggest thing that I try to remember, like remind myself about in activism and campaigning and all of it, um, is that it's it's not about you, like as in it's it's not about me, um, it's not about any single person. I think, um, we unfortunately have become more and more individualistic as a society, and that's the one thing that I think we really need to fight against. I think. We have an incredible community spirit across the island here and it's something that we really need to fight for because that's when we see social changes whenever we look at like the likes of repeal when you look at what like the likes of alliance for choice have done in the north and um, those are incredible movements being led by women collectively together there's not one person sort of taking credit for all that or are taking on that cause and um, it's a collective and i think when we look out for each other and respect each other and welcome other people into our community and be inclusive that's when we'll see sort of societal change. Um, so yeah, I think that is what I initially get from this quote, that it's all about community collectiveness, um, letting, I suppose that we need to be liberated enough to fight for our own causes and that the solutions we need to our own issues, like there's loads of issues facing women at the minute, whether it's like poverty, childcare, abortion access, any of it, um, if, there are men designing those solutions for us. It's just not going to work. And we've seen that throughout history, whether it's about like religion, race, um, gender, whatever it is. Um, if the people that it affects aren't leading the solutions, aren't part of the sort of like fixing the problem, um, the solution isn't going to work. And I think that's really important. And that's also sort of what this quote means to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think it's, it, I think it's like anything in silo, like, it's not going to work by itself because that's not how the world works and I always think it's really interesting when you hear a quote like that that really does it's saying what you're saying in terms of and I, I would kind of read that the same way that we should all be the voices to lead in the change that we want to see it's not always easy and actually I think that's where the collectiveness comes in because you know you can't do it on your own nobody can do it I say you we us nobody can do it on their own and I think that collectiveness um is represented in, in a lot of what companies stood for, you know, be it a trade union where the kind of those overall voices as a collective are much more powerful than one individual or, or even a group of individuals to what was it in Derry Girls and not being an individual by myself. Yeah. Do you know, I, I think that the, the the collective voice in any campaign is huge and what we've touched on before as well, the you know, it isn't always easy. There are always challenges and I think it's interesting that you're saying then that when the times kind of get tough and it's that collective that gets you through really isn't it yeah exactly and I, I like from my personal experience like I'm more comfortable with it now but I grew up as like a really introverted person like I I wouldn't say that I'm like shy or quiet or anything but I'm just like I've been an activist since I was maybe 16 and for years that activism was never like being the one at the front of a rally leading it or anything like that it was the person organizing other people to do that and I think that's really important to acknowledge that like every type of activism and leadership is so important and often you need that like oh, you, you, can, you can't have everyone that's like at the front and stuff like that um but for me the, the honestly the way that I got over that fear to be able to do like media and public speaking and stuff it, it does come back to that thing like it's not about me so even if I'm nervous or I mess up or anything like that it's not about me so it doesn't really matter do you know what I mean it's about what we're trying to do together and who we're trying to help um, which is really cringe, but that's sort of what <laughs> no, I'm thinking about. That. Yeah, that, that definitely strikes a chord. Um, and, and I think we can be harsh on public representatives, be it in the students' movement, in the women's movement, in political life, in 
even in work cases, you know, and don't get me wrong, we all kind of have a joke everything sometimes, but it isn't easy. Um, I know in here we've done different, I do a lot of media stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever accused me of not being able to talk, Alan, just, just to make that point. <laughs> um, I, I, as anyone who knows me will, will know. Um, but, you know, people can slag and we all do mess up, but it's one thing kind of taking a hand out of somebody or in a more malicious way, kind of giving out about somebody. It's another thing when you're there doing it, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's not, it's not easy at all. Yeah, it, it can be a lot of pressure, particularly when, um, like, most of the media I do, I'm representing students, so I'm speaking on their behalf. Um, so you just want to get it right, and it's something I really struggled with. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was all, honestly, like, such a what do you call it like an epiphany moment whenever I was like do you know what it's even if I mess up like it might affect me but it doesn't affect our movement so like that's okay yeah. and then when you're less nervous you're not gonna mess up obviously yeah. um so that's just an example but I think I think if activist movements if we thought like that more often we um would have stronger connections and stronger ties um and I think for me another big lesson um around the sort of community spirit that we're talking about I think COVID has really changed things to be honest and I think we have we we still have a lot to learn from that um and by that I mean I suppose that people for an example I think there was a lot of commentary around this around the sort of election time that we've seen with the assembly election that maybe their parties didn't have as many canvassers out and stuff like that and I think post-covid people want to spend time with their friends they want to spend time with their family they want to spend time doing things that bring them joy and hope and just like that they're having fun with their lives in their spare time um, and for a really long time, I think activism for people has led to burnout, has been like severely exhausting. Um, and we need to change that. We need to make activism spaces um, joyful and where people want to come and where they can spend time with their friends and where it's a sustainable environment in itself that you can do it for a long time and not burn out within two or three years. Um, so I think we're getting there, but I think that's something I've really learned is that like it doesn't have to be really serious spaces. Like You can just come together and have fun and, and, and still try and change the world or do your part um, and I think that's really important as well and I think that um, yeah this quote sort of reminds me of that as well a wee bit yeah that, that's, that's really interesting and I think you're right I think we've gone from real well we, we realised kind of what we were missing and so you value it maybe a bit more now yeah definitely um, so I think that's really interesting and, and maybe little and often with any sort of activism is, is as important as as you say, doing it all and trying to do it all, which we've already acknowledged you can't do, um, for kind of a shorter space of time. Um, so sustainability is important, not just in terms of the environment, but just life in general. No, definitely. Um, and it's been really interesting speaking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I know you're you're just finishing up this term um, as president, so co-gorgeous. That was my um, I'm sure all the students who you represented over a particularly challenging few years where there was absolutely no blueprint as to how to you know run a, a movement like that during a pandemic um i should sure i'm be grateful for you so Carmine Mike, thank you for coming on and hopefully chat again soon thank you so much thanks for having me